to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. a series last week called One Generation Away, One Generation Away, and, and we talked last week about uh, there arose a generation, Judges chapter 2 verse 10, that knew not God, nor knew the things that he had done for Israel, the works he had done for Israel. So we talked about that we're one generation away from extinction, but today I, I feel like taking it to another level and I'm going, I'm going to be preaching to everybody in the house, to all generations, but I want to be talking to perhaps a younger generation that I feel very strongly about. I was preaching Friday night, I was speaking Friday night in Jackson, Tennessee at Love and Truth Church and, uh, and, and a young man that was assigned to me to be the, the person that took care of me, his name was Aaron, it was so cute, his name was Aaron. And I said, well, if you're Aaron, where's her? He said, she'll be sitting beside me in church. <laughs> what a quick answer. Her will be sitting beside me in church, his wife. So, but he, he walked up to me and he said, he said, you've been preaching 43 years. How do you still have the passion to preach? After 43 years, I said, first of all, I never got over getting saved. And second of all, I, I, I want to I go out of this thing with the greatest hurrah that a, that a person could ever have. I, I just don't think the church is going to walk out limping. I don't think we're going to be limping in the last days. I think we're going to be rejoicing in the last day. I think the latter-day church is not going to be one that is afflicted and weak and sick and pale and hurting. I think the last-day church is going to be victorious. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to, I'm going to speak today. On the second phase of one generation away, turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. I won't be lengthy, but I want to be, I want to be sharp here with you. God bless you. you. may be seated. Lord, let me do real good today by your grace. Amen. To all of our guests, we welcome you. Why don't you, if you're sitting beside somebody, why don't you turn around and say hello, and the rest of you clap for all of our visitors here today. Would you do that right now? Amen. See, I believe that God has given the church a unique opportunity to reach this world with the same gospel that the apostles had. We said last week that the truth is never one more generation away or, or is one generation away from extinction. We cannot, we said last week, we cannot assume the gospel because eventually the gospel will be confused and then it will be lost or denied. And I shudder at the culture of our world today, the things that our world is embracing today. Help me out, folks. The things that our world is embracing today is absolutely mortifying to anybody that has any kind of straight sense in their life, seeing things get lost in thought processes that are outside the Word of God. But this week, I want to bring a very positive note, a very positive note to the church. If we're one generation away from extinction, I do believe that we are also one generation away from changing the world. Amen? Amen. So what are we going to take to the next generation? And the principles will apply to all generations here today. If you're a young person, I will be preaching to you. If you're a middle-aged person, I will focus on you. If you're an older person, I will focus on you today. 
Because I want you to understand that wherever you are in life, because you're still alive, you still matter. If your days were over, if your ministry was done, you'd be in a grave waiting for the, for, for the resurrection. But you're still here today. And because you're still here, you still matter. And because you still matter, you are a part of something that God wants to do in lives. I'm absolutely in love with young people. I really, really am. I raised three precious daughters, three precious daughters in high school, not, not Christian school, but in high school, in, in the society of people that perhaps did not trust God. And I love my girls throughout that whole process. They were strong. They made strong Christians. They're all here today. And I wanted the very best for them. And if your kids are with you today or your kids are not with you today, I want to wish them the very best also because their lives matter. Your kids' lives matter. My kids' lives matter. Our kids matter. And I want the next generation, folks, to have better than my generation. Not just better pay, not just better jobs, not just better houses, but I want God to be bigger. I want God to do greater things for them. Because the Bible said the glory of the latter house shall be greater, shall be greater than the glory of the former house. And the latter and the former and the latter rain are going to come down together and cause one great rain. So if all these youths were my brothers and sisters, or if they were my little children, my peeps, what would I tell them? What would I say? If I were talking to my girls, if I were talking to my kids, and I, you, got a, you got a bird's eye view, or you were a fly on the wall in our home, this is how I would handle things. Because I want to just talk to you today. I want to bring three things to you today that God's put in my heart, because I believe with all my heart that God has a word for us. This generation that we're, that we're looking at right now is an intellectual generation. It really is. It's a quick study generation. It's a generation like I saw a picture the other day in an airport flight magazine of a little boy with his feet up on the desk and his head down on the floor and he had an iPad in his hand and said education has turned upside down and it really, really has. Kids today, my little grandson, not even three years old, said, Bo, let me see your phone. And he'll take my phone and do stuff with that phone that I can't do with it. <laughs> Takes that finger and he says, okay. Mm-hmm. Boy, I like that picture. I like that picture. He can find pictures. He can call you. Now, he could probably call the president too, but he can call. It's, a, it, 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 it's an easy to read fake generation too. They can know if you're faking. They know if you're not real. Judges 2 and 10 said that there arose a generation that knew not God nor the works he had accomplished. But today I want to read another passage of scripture, a very powerful, positive scripture today to you from Ephesians chapter 3 in the NIV. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, immeasurably more than all we can imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout, everybody say, all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. Everybody say, every generation needs Christ Jesus and the glory of the Lord. God's word will endure. You believe that? It will never go away. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Now, nothing I'm going to say today is going to blow you away. It's not. It's not mind-boggling. I'm going to preach very simple today. It's simple ideas and simple ideals shared from a pastor. Just some good old-fashioned advice. Maybe you could call this the principles for a world changer. 
The principles for a world changer. I want you to write these things down. I want you to put them down and put them on your refrigerator all week long. So when you come back next week, you'll be changed into that person that God wants you to be. You can't just survive this world. You've got to change this world. We've got to thrive for God's glory. So last week, we talked about two things. We talked about how can they know him unless we show them. We talked about showing our kids how to worship, showing our kids how to go through situations, showing our kids how to forgive, showing our kids how to endure and forbear. And then we also talked about this generation doesn't need a set of rules to live by, but it needs a calling to live for. You believe that? Now, today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three little old things, just three little old things, and I'm going to preach to you a little bit. The first thing I'm going to preach today is simply this. If you're going to be a great, great person in your life, You've got to practice selective hearing. Oh, that, got it. That, that went over like a lead balloon. You want to know how to do this? Just watch your dad. Your dad knows how to practice selective hearing. Men are great at it. I'm the world's best. Just ask Patty. You tell a child to take out the trash. You tell a child that the yard needs mowing. You tell a child need help with the kitchen dishes. You tell a child go clean up your room. He doesn't hear a thing you're saying. It's like, what? But you ask him if they want to go to the mall. You ask him if they want to go to a ball game. Hey, son, you want to go play golf with me? You want to go hunting? You want to go fishing? How about me go to the mall and buy you a new pair of tennis shoes? You want to go see a movie with dad and mom? They can hear you right now. And it doesn't need to be repeated, and it doesn't need to be an interpreter. They know what you're saying. I don't want to sound cheesy, but I believe this, and I want to say it. Right voices lead to right choices. Write it down. Right voices lead to right choices. That's not profound, but it'll have a profound influence on your life. Some people will listen to their friends... Even though they are, and I'm going to spell this because I don't want to say it, I-D-I-O-T-S. They're crazy. They're loony. They're out in left field. But, but they're cool. They are cool. I sat across from a, two women and a guy, and the guy was, he was in his hustle business last Thursday on our way to Miss, uh, Tennessee. He was in his hustle business. He was putting moves on them women. I'm telling you that Don Juan would be proud of. And I thought, son, you, you're, you're about as real as a $3 bill. You have no realness in you. But I'm telling you, it got so loud. He got so loud. He was so powerful in his approach. I said, you ladies are going to listen to this for the next two hours? And the little girl in the middle wasn't married. The one on the, in, uh, on the outside was married, and she... Because the one in the middle wasn't as pretty as the one that was married. So he kept bypassing the one that wasn't married because she wasn't as pretty talking to the one that was married because she was pretty. And he was giving her the business like I've never heard in my life. And I thought, oh, if you knew a pastor was sitting right across the aisle from you. If you knew that a pastor, I'd say, hey, 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 honey, listen to me. I know what he is. I've seen his kind. He'll play you like a fiddle that Nero played while Rome was burning. When he gets through playing the fiddle, he's out of here. He's gone. But I'm here to tell you something. It's, some people will listen to their friends 
when their friends give them out of their mind bad advice, before they'll listen to parents or a pastor or somebody that loves them, they won't listen to people that love them the most, but they'll listen to people they think are cool. That's never proved anything. That's never done anything. That's never had a job. (laughs) I'll tell you how to live in this society, baby. You just got to be cool and chill. You know what I mean? There's a story in 2 Chronicles about a young man named Rehoboam who's the son of Solomon. And when Solomon died, Rehoboam followed him. And the people came to Rehoboam and said, listen, listen, sir, could you lighten up the demands that Solomon made on us? And Rehoboam was a very young man and he had never traveled this way before and he did not know what to do. And so the people asked him, said, we need, we need, to, we need to have things kind of lighten up. We need to, you need, need to uh, ease up the tax burden. We need some tax breaks. And the forced labor you put on us is breaking our back. And so the people saw an opportunity because he was a young man to ask for a reprieve. And they said, your father was awesome, but we need a recovery period. We need a little time. And so Rehoboam called the older, wiser advisors, which is a very wise thing to do. And they did what all older, wiser advisors would do. They tell Rehoboam, Rehoboam, here's what you got to do. You got to sacrifice short-term gain for long-term effect. In other words, give the people a little bit of grace right now, and they will serve you the rest of their life. Short-term grace, long-term implications. So when the older advisors had walked out, Rehoboam sent him out, he brought in these young buddies, men who he grew up with, and he asked them the same question. And these young men came up all hyped up and testosterone-filled and guns a-blazing, and they said, wow, 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 we got a word for you, Rehoboam. I went to high school with you. You know, I'm a dropout, but I went to high school with you. You're the king, but I'm the man. I know what's going on. And you tell them this, Rehoboam. You, if you think my father was bad, you hadn't seen anything yet. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. They literally said that. And they said, tell them my father beat you with whips, but I'll beat you with scorpions. What? How do you, how do you be somebody with a scorpion? Make a little string and put a bunch of scorpions on them and say, here, here, here. Sting, baby, sting. How do you beat them with scorpions? It is absolutely the most ultra-violent thing that could be said. So he had a decision to make. Do I listen to the buddies that give me advice of short-term success? Or do I listen to the older men's advice of long-term implications? And the Bible said in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 10 and 8, Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders that they had given him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. And Rehoboam listened to people who did not know what they were saying. If right voices bring right choices, then wrong voices bring wrong choices. Say it with me. Wrong voices, put it up, bring wrong choices. Wrong voices bring wrong choices. This decision cost Rehoboam a revolt. And it would be years before Rehoboam could get the kingdom back together. You can listen to one voice, people, And you'll be wasted for years. And you'll sometime not get on track for a long time. You don't have to listen to everybody's opinion. You don't have to follow everybody on Facebook. You don't have to follow everybody on Twitter. You don't have to read every book. Just because a guy writes a book don't mean he knows which way's up and which way's down. 
I'm here to tell you something. There is a book that I'll share with you. I give to you today that tells you which way is up and which way is down. And as a pastor of this church, I'm trying to tell you that you've got to have selective hearing. If somebody says Jesus Christ is the way, you need to follow it because that's the only way. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Wrong relationships when you're young sometimes get people addicted. Wrong relationships put people in prison. Wrong relationships cause pregnancies to come unwed. Wrong relationships cause drug addiction to come. Wrong relationships cause people to get hooked on alcohol and amphetamines. Wrong relationships cause people to have all kinds of criminal activity in their life. Just wrong relationship. And here's what they say when you, when you ask them, what happened? What happened? Well, I had this friend. Really? Really, you had a friend. Yeah. Girls get pregnant, and, 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 and you ask them, what happened? Well, I had this friend, and she said, me and that guy just look good together. Oh, really? So what would you know about him? Oh, nothing. What would your parents say? Well, they didn't like it. Well, how come you didn't listen to them? Because they wasn't cool like my girlfriend was. Somebody gets hung up on drugs, and, you know, well, you know, I never had tried it before. And they said, man, that guy right there, he's got it. He's got the stuff. He's got it. And so we went over and we talked to him a little bit. And, you know, if, if my friend trusts him, then I'll trust him because my friend had a friend who had a friend who could get us some stuff. And I got hooked on this stuff. And you know what? It's cost you a lot of, lot of misery in your life. So I'm here today to tell you that if you've ever had selective hearing in your life, you need to start having it right now. Somebody up in this platform loves you, and I'm not all squared up. I'm not all stupid and old and foggy. I'm still a young man. I'm 35 years old in my body, but I'm still preaching the truth of a 60-year-old pastor because I understand something. You need to stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to close my ear. Na, 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 na. You don't have to listen to all that kind of stuff. You need to open your heart and your ear to somebody that loves you, somebody that cares about you, somebody that wants you to go to heaven, somebody that wants you to be saved. Clap your hands and say amen to that. You need to hear the word of the Lord today. Come on now. Listen to people that love you. Somebody that cares for you. Second thing I want to tell you is simply this. You ready? You need to find your sound and play it loud. Wow. What does that mean? Bands that have breakthroughs have a unique sound. The Beatles. I want to hold your hand. <laughs> Speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. Man, I used to sway to that. You know what I'm saying? Let it, I didn't even know what it meant. Let it be. Okay, let it be. Let it be. Speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. They were unique. You remember Michael Jackson? He was unique. In fact, I, le I learned to moonwalk. Because Michael Jackson could moonwalk. You know what I'm saying? I learned how to do that. And what's funny, I was practicing this morning and broke my little toe. That's a fact. I got out of bed and I was going to moonwalk a little bit. And I broke my little toe. My right foot's the sixth time I broke it. But it's broke. I'm not Michael Jackson. 
Kurt Cobain, he had a great, great sound. He was unique, but he's dead and gone because drugs took him out. But he was unique. You know, unique voices sing lead and great voices sing backup. What I'm trying to say to you today is that God has made every one of you unique. The world is full of mediocrity. I'm tired of blowing the horn for mediocrity. I'm ready for somebody to step up and say, you know what? I'm not going to be mediocre. I'm going to be something greater than mediocre. I'm going to rise up in my generation, and I am going to make a difference in life in my generation. Can somebody clap your hands and and worship with me about that? I'm going to make a difference in my generation. I I can't help but think about David. I love David. David was a bad dude. He was bad. Man, I'm talking like a young man, Dave, but... He was a bad, he's bad. He could, he could whip a line and a bear. I, I wouldn't even look at a line. And if a bear was after me and you, he'd get you because I'd outrun you. That's all I got outrun, not the bear, just you. But David gets to the battlefield, and there's a man that's been screaming at the Israelites for 40 days and 40 nights, send me a man. And David said, who is that? They said, that's Goliath, man. He's nine foot six. And David just says, well, you know, I don't see him as in covenant. It's not how big he is. It's who's he covenanted with. He's not covenanting with the Lord our God. If he's not covenanting with us, then he's going down. He's our enemy. We're going to take him out. And Saul said, well, if you're going to go fight him, let me put my armor on you. So Saul puts his armor on him, and David said, oh, man. And I love what he said. This hadn't been tried. In other words, Saul, all you've been doing is just sitting there commanding. You've never used this armor. I don't, I'm not an armor man. He said, I'm a rock man. I'm a rock man. I, I, I whipped a lion and a bear with a rock and a slingshot, and I think I can take this old boy out because he's nothing more than just an uncircumcised Philistine. He is nothing more than a man out of covenant with God, and I can take him out. So if you don't mind, you have some rocks here? And Saul said, no, we're fresh out of rocks. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to go down to the brook. I'm going to pick me up some rocks. And when I get back, I'll go take him out. And David, the Bible said, went down to the, to the, to the, to the brook and picked up five smooth stones, put them in his pouch. Woo-hoo. And he came by running. I guarantee he came by running for Saul. said, Saul, I'll see you in a minute. I'm going to go take care of him. And instead of being intrepidated and fearful and barely going out into that valley, the Bible said he ran. He ran. I want a generation of young people that know their sound and play it so loudly that they won't be intrepidated to step out into the next generation and say, we are here. We're here. And it doesn't matter how big the battle is. It doesn't matter how big the giant is. It doesn't matter how big the force is. We're going to run to him and say in the name of the Lord, we will take this next generation in the name of the Lord. Come on, we need some more Robbies being healed. We need some more cancers being delivered. We need some more people being saved. We need some more drug addicts being rehabbed. We need some more alcoholics being delivered. We need some more people possessed by enemy spirits to be delivered. We've got a message. We've got a message. Come on, find your sound and play it loud. We are unique. We're a rock people. We're a rock people. We believe that God Almighty is with us. It's amazing to me how that this generation, and I I said it, I put it in my notes. You know what this generation is? This generation is made up of geeks, freaks, and uniques. (laughs) 
And, and, and sometimes we have such passive people about Christ. They don't mind shoving anything in your face. But we get timid and intimidated to say anything about the fact, you know, no, no, I don't do that. Don't do that. Well, how come? Well, I just don't do that. Well, how come? Open your mouth. Open your mouth and say, because the Savior that I serve is greater than anything that you have in your life. Come on, run to the battlefield. Come on, run to the battlefield. If you're going to invade your, if sound's going to get a hold of you, play it loud. Play it loud. Let the world know I am different than anything out here. You look better than a freak geek or unique. You really do. Because you're a child of God. Say, I'm a child of God. Amen. Amen. I used to have a pastor, brother, old brother Nichols. In Odessa, he never was my pastor, but he always, he always would find me at a camp or something. He'd come put his arm around me, always give me a word of encouragement. And he told me so many things in life. But one of the things he told me, he said, don't go, don't go the way of that. Go the way of the Lord. Don't follow that highway. Follow your own highway that God has prepared for you. Don't do that. Do this. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't feel like he was laying a standard in my life. He was telling me, you're better than that. You're more unique than that. You have a greater ability than that. You don't have to fall subject to that. You can overwhelm that. You can stand up and deliver messages against that. Because mediocrity wants to invade all of us. But somebody has got to say, I will step out and run to my assignment because God has delivered the next generation into my hands. Amen. Clap your hands right now. Clap your hands. Somebody say... Somebody say, I am not an assembly line. I'm not a big bang theory. God made me. God ordained me. God orchestrated me. I am unique. I'm not Mr. Potato Head. I'm not going to borrow an ear from this and a mouth from this and a hand from this. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to be who I am, but I'm going to be the best I am that you've ever seen in your life because God Almighty is walking with me, and I'm going, to, I'm going to have my sound. I'm going to play my sound. I'm going to play it loud. I'm going to find it and play it with everything that I've got because God's with me, and God is for me. I want to say something about businessmen here right now. Many of you feel like you're not making a difference. Because you're not on the stage to have a vocational ministry. And you're wanting something, someone else and something else. But sometimes you'll miss your moment. Don Schaefer blessed me mightily at our last men's breakfast. When he came, a businessman that owns a business, that owns a corporation. And he walked through our men just like a minister. And I, I thought, my Lord, the man could preach here on Sunday. He's a businessman. But he has an identity. He has found his sound he has found his sound and he's playing it loudly and what we need in this hour that we're living in right now is to find what God wants us to be and then just blow your horn with everything that's in you and say this is who I am I celebrate my uniqueness and the third thing that I'll share with you and then I'll close because you got to beat the Baptist and the Methodist and the Presbyterians to lunch Everybody say, practice selective hearing. 
Everybody say, find your sound, your uniqueness, and play it loud. The third thing I want to tell you is when everything else fails, just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Proverbs 24 and 16, I love this in the NIV. For though the righteous fall seven times, they arise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Everybody say, the righteous fall seven times. But they get back up. Now, I used to think that a righteous person would never fall or would rarely fall. But you fall down seven times, that's the number of completeness and completion. So you feel like a complete failure. Righteous people many times feel like complete failures. But the difference between them and a man who is wicked that stumbles and won't get back up is the fact that even when a righteous man feels like a complete failure and has fallen seven times, he gets back up again. And the reason he gets back up again is because he's made a commitment to Jesus Christ and he knows no matter where he falls nor how he falls or how much it hurts, there's a Christ right there saying, come on, son, get back up, get back up. Come on, get back up. You're talking about a corner man. You're talking about a coach. You're talking about somebody that loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. And whatever happens in your life, keep showing up. Keep coming to church. Keep saying, I love him. He's there to lift you because it's his righteousness. You belong to him. I see so many people. I'm almost done. I see so many people. Help me, Randy. Walk away from church. Walk away from Christ. Walk away from commitment. Because they think that once they commit their life to the Lord, they think that their problems are all over. That they're bubble wrapped. They have this utopia. And yet when when one failure comes, one mistake comes, it's over. It's finished. We're done. Now, the qualifications are not hard. How? how you fall anybody can fall it don't take don't take a lot of qualifications to fall you have to qualify to be a faller but no matter how many times the enemy tries to make fun of you if you stay close enough to Jesus even in your down times he will lift you up every time See, we've got a problem in our Christian world. We think that grace is a commodity to get us to Christ but when that's over it's over but the same grace that brought you in here is sufficient to keep you here. Grace didn't stop when you got saved. Oh, hallelujah. Grace is still here. Grace is still here. I'm preaching to somebody right now because some of you made mistakes this week and you're saying, oh God, I feel so bad about being in church. Quit it. Stop right now. Because the third thing I want to tell you, if you're going to change your generation, is you've got to keep showing up. You've got to keep coming back. You've got to keep getting back in the ring. You've got to get back on the horse. You've got to keep riding in the battle. You've got to keep fighting a good fight of faith. It doesn't matter what happens to you in your life this week. You've got to keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Any setback. Any adversity, the same power that raised you the first time will raise you the second time. So what do you do? You just keep coming back. I 
I have seen so many people just give up, just throw in the towel. Why? Why? A righteous man falls seven times and gets back up again. Why would you throw in the towel? Peter, petulant Simon Peter. Jesus said, the place I'm going, you can't follow. And Simon said, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. So they put Jesus in shackles, led him away, and Peter denied him. But Jesus said something to Peter a little later on. He said, Pete, I've prayed for you. Not that your business will do good. Not that you'll always have money and have a big house, have a nice car, nice donkey, nice chariot. None of that. But I've prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail. Because I know you're going to mess up in life. I know you're going to have problems. I know opportunities are going to come that may lead you the wrong path. I know relationships may come. I know immoral things might happen in your life. But Peter, I'm going to give you a pop quiz. And at Capernaum, he said, Pete, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And Peter said, well, some say you're, you're Jeremiah. And some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're prophet. He said, but who do you say that I am? Now, you got to get this, kids. you got to get it. Pete said, thou art the Christ. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. He said, Peter, flesh and blood hadn't revealed that to you, but my father, which is in heaven, has revealed that to you. And I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's how I preached all this today to tell you this. Not only to have selective hearing, not only to find your sound and play it loudly, and not only just keep showing up, but I brought you here for this reason. Somewhere in your life, you've got to make a declaration. Thou art the Christ. You're my Christ. You're the son of the living God. You've got to make that declaration. You've got to look at him and say, you're more than a prophet. You're more than just somebody that I hear preached about on Sunday morning. You're my best friend. You are the Christ of my life. You're the anointed one. The Christ means the anointed one. You're the anointed one of my life. You're the anointing in my life. You're the blessing in my heart. You're the joy of my spirit. You're everything to me. And Jesus, I love you. You see, God is incomparable. The the presence of God is incomparable. You can't compare it to anything. You can't compare God's spirit to anything. So you don't say, well, I like this, but you know, I like God, but I, no, no, no. You can't compare God to anything. God is incomparable. He's incomparable. So you say, I love you, God. I love you with all my heart and nothing competes against you. So if I get down, I'm going to come to church. If I fall down, I'm going to keep coming back. If things don't go right, I'm going to keep coming back because nothing here compares to what you can give me there. Nothing here compares to what you are in my life because thou art not my job, not my friends, not anybody else. Thou art the Christ. You are the Christ. You are the Christ in my life. I am your child. Wow. Wow. You're the Christ in my life. That's how I stand here today. That's why I'm here today. Because I've fallen, kids. I've fallen. I've gone through hell. I've gone through some high water. I've gone through things that want to burn me and things that want to drown me, but I'm still here today. Because every time I fell, every time I got down, I looked up and he was standing right there. Because I never let anything get bigger in my world than he was. 
And when you don't let anything in your world get bigger than Him, He's always there to lift you up again. And that's what righteous people do. They may fall seven times. They may be complete failures. But they know that they're not going to separate themselves from Jesus Christ. And He's going to help them back up again. I'm preaching to somebody here today. Get up. Rejoice. Jesus is for you today. He is for you today. The gates of hell will not prevail against you when he's your Christ. Stand to your feet. You're awesome people. Woo! I love the Lord. Thank you, Randy. I called you way too soon. I love you. I know you follow directions. I love you. Guess what? We had a man in this church bought us a brand new church organ. Isn't that awesome? He's in service right now. He wouldn't want me to tell you his name because he don't want you coming borrowing money from him. We'll have a new organ here. A new $4,000 organ here. Brand new. Spanking new. In just a few days. Isn't God good? Randy called me all euphoric and excited about it. I love you, Randy. I'm glad we're getting it. Everybody say, I'm going to have selective hearing. I'm going to find my sound. I'm going to play it loud. And I'm going to keep showing up. I wonder if I could get the 30 and under crowd to come and join me right here right quick. I want to bless you and pray for you. I prayed for students last week. I want to pray for the 30 and under crowd. Come on. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.